here, you know the state fair is going on. And it's a beautiful day. In fact, my wife and her sister are there. I was not invited. But I understand that I may want to text my wife before she comes home because the food for this state fair is um, unicorn bacon. As I understand, it's like a fruity top with fried, deep fried bacon. I don't know. You know, this time of year in the life of the church, we talk a lot about leadership. The nominating committee, the lay leadership team, we, we do our work asking if you would serve in particular places. And, and as you do, we, we, give, um, we give thanks to God. So we're going to talk a little about leadership this morning. Someone has said that the trouble with being a leader is that sometimes you can't be sure whether people are following you or chasing you. Now to be sure, Jesus felt that way sometimes. And today we find that the disciples in a chasing mode, not one of discord or malice, but um, one of looking for position and honor. Uh, in a perceived administration that they have of Jesus bringing his kingdom on earth. James and John, we heard about this morning, they're jockeying for position. And when Jesus receives his full measure of honor, which they thought would be to establish an earthly kingdom, these two brothers wanted to share in it. And not only that, they wanted the lion's share. They knew that they would have arrived if they could just gain that most prestigious position, which is to sit on the, the right and the left of the leader. There's an ancient story that's been told in many cultures. I'm going to share with you. The king of a particular people is challenged uh, to consider the poor of his kingdom they have been on a regular basis forgotten and disenfranchised so um, one day the king decided to see what it was like to live among the people he went in disguise and spent time walking among the poor seeing what it was like to um, be among the people to listen to them as they shared their struggles and their needs and their hopes and dreams up for their family and the king returned to his palace a changed man because of his experience with the poor. And the laws of the kingdom suddenly became friendlier and more embracing. And this parable has been so popular for so long because people want those in authority to know what it's like to live under that authority. And when people don't receive this kind of understanding, very often, whether it was with nations or when in employment, or even in churches, people live in anxiety, and they become restless for the one who will listen. So the first thing Jesus asked James and John about their desire to sit on his right and left, those places of honor and leadership, was, can you drink from the same cup of which I drink? In the Mediterranean culture, the head of the family fills the cups at the table. And each one is expected to drink what the head of the family has served. And understanding this in metaphor, James and John are reminded that Jesus has been drinking from a different cup um, that more than most leaders have. In fact, the cup from which Jesus has been drinking has uh, not been one that envisioned, they envisioned for a Messiah. He's been drinking a cup of self-sacrifice, uh, talk of God's kingdom that went against the norms of society. And after he asks if they can drink from the cup from which he drinks, he then asks, 
can you be baptized with my baptism? Jesus' baptism was one of loving God with all that he was and, and loving all people, his friends, his family, his enemies with unconditional love. And James and John, without much thought about it, think they see a good thing. And they said, well, absolutely we can do this. We can do this. And Jesus said, well, like it or not, you will. But it is not mine to give you what you're asking, only God. And then he taught the disciples <clears throat> about what leadership was about in the kingdom of God, that it wasn't something to be lorded over people. And to be sure, this is what James and John had in mind because they, that's what they understood as, as authority and leadership. The Roman government lording authority over them. The religious leaders lording authority over them. And they too wanted to be in that position, a benevolent position, but that kind of position um, nonetheless. And then he shares with his disciples, he says, you must listen to this. The great ones in God's kingdom need to behave like servants at a ceremonial meal. The great ones would see their status as equal to the household servants who washed the feet of guests who came in. And Jesus offered himself as a model for this when he said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Recently, I was sitting on the front porch of the parsonage, and I heard some noise. It was familiar noise. It was geese. It was as if they were having a conversation with one another as they were flying overhead. I've always been fascinated by these schools of geese, and I'm usually reminded of what I've learned and how and why the geese fly the way they do in that V formation. I'm sure you've heard this before, but it's good to be reminded of it. Some very interesting things are happening when we see these geese flying in that beautiful V shape. Those out front, they rotate their leadership. I'm going to say that again. They rotate their leadership. We might need to think about that in our church family sometimes. They rotate their leadership. No one goose stays in front all of the time. When one goose gets tired, it changes places with someone in that V formation. <clears throat> By flying the way they do, the members of the flock, they create an upward air current with one another. Each flap of the wings literally creates an uplift, making it easier for the birds behind them to fly. Someone who has studied this, probably a dissertation somewhere, the whole flock gets 71% greater flying range than if one goose flew on its own. And when one goose gets sick or wounded, two fall out of the formation. Two do. And they follow it to help it protect it while it convalesces. And they stay with that goose until it's able to fly again. In fact, on the day that I heard these geese and saw them, there were three. There were three of them flying. The geese in the rear formation, they're the honkers. <laughs> I suppose it's their way of announcing that they are still there. They're following that all is well. And those repeated honks encourages those in the front to stay the course. Now, I share with you this because this is an image of authentic leadership. This is an image of kingdom of God values leadership, whether it's rotating places of leadership, flapping one's wings to give aid to others, offering encouragement with the honking words of inspiration and kindness. <clears throat> they're all these things together. They're the nuts and bolts 
of Christian authentic leadership. An authentic leader must live out his or her life as part of a team. Whenever I hear of a Christian trying to live out his or her life as a lone ranger, thinking that everything rests on what they do or they don't do, I'm reminded of what Bernie Siegel said. He's a re- now a retired pediatric surgeon. He says in his book, Peace, Love, and Healing, I believe above God's desk, there is something that says, don't feel totally, eternally, irrevocably responsible for everything. That's my job. Sign God. We Christians, we're called to live out our lives in faithfulness and in community. And when we try to do things on our own, trying to be God, it just doesn't work. Throughout Scripture, God has called people to take on particular roles of leadership and ministry for their particular time, their particular place. Abraham and Sarah, they worked in community to create a new nation, a new covenant of people. Moses and Aaron, they worked in community, worked with one another to drive Pharaoh to distraction so that the Hebrews would be able to, to leave Egypt. Ruth and Naomi, they worked in community with one another to find security and a hopeful future in the midst of great personal loss. John the Baptist and Jesus, they worked together to bring the Holy Spirit upon the Messiah's ministry. And the disciples, they went out two by two to bring the Holy Spirit and share the good news of God's love. And Paul and Timothy, they worked together to spread the good good news of, of Jesus even while Paul was in prison. At Aldersgate, we are called to live as ministers in the midst of other ministers. Okay? Here's the deal. Each one of us here today, by virtue of our baptism, we are ministers. We are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're called to enter into the work with one another. God calls us to be ministers in community, to proclaim the love of God um, with um, strangers, with neighbors, with friends, with family. And just like the yeast working as a team to fulfill their mission, we, the church of Jesus Christ, must work together to fulfill our mission. We need to remember this because it's too easy just to do things ourselves, isn't it? No, you can nod, okay? It's much easier, isn't it, for me to do something that I know will get done than to ask someone else to do it, right? Yeah, but you see, that's efficient, but... God's ministry is not always meant to be efficient. God's ministry maybe is there for us to invite people to be a part of it and train them and teach them and lead them. Being a Christian leader is not just about being efficient. The doing of leadership in God's kingdom always comes second to being in God's kingdom. Being is about community and relationship. And we're called to invite others to help us I'm always moved to remember, too, about the compassion the geese have for each other, whether that goose falls, two geese fall out with a, a wounded goose. <clears throat> Love and care must always be the character of our authority and leadership if we are to fulfill the mission to which God has called us. And to be sure, love and care calls us to be with wounded in our world. We're to be with them and comfort them when they're hurting, visit them when they're lonely, share with them, when they're hungry and thirsty, clothe them when they are in need of clothes, house them when they're destitute and homeless. We're to be with those who are vulnerable on their life's journey. 
And we all will find that place of vulnerability at some point in our lives. Ron Heifetz is a leader in the field of um, leadership training. And he tells a story about he and his wife. They went to England. And on their way to an engagement, it was Rosh Hashanah, the New Year for, um, Jewish New Year. And as they were approaching, they thought they would be able to spend some time in London and go to a synagogue to, uh, to celebrate. However, they came uh, to the day of Rosh Hashanah and they found themselves on the English countryside. No synagogue. So they found a small, empty uh, Anglican church and they went in for a time for reflection. <clears throat> At the front of the church was a crucifix and Ron said he found himself in a bit of a spiritual conflict because here was a Jew well aware of the abuses of Christianity toward his people. And it was confronted to him by Jesus on the cross. But it says, nevertheless, Ron asked Rabbi Jesus to tell him about the experience on the cross. And suddenly he asked his wife to go outside with him. He said, let's have an experiment. So they sat together under a tree in a deserted churchyard, and Ron asked his wife to hold her, out, her arms out in crucifix pose which they both did and after a few moments he asked her how she felt and she said well I really feel vulnerable and that was it for this scientist of leadership the lesson he learned from that day was that Jesus was a great leader because he was open and vulnerable to the experiences of life and those of us who call Jesus savior see this from his life we're inspired by the Holy Spirit to follow him because he was willing to give up equality with God, we're told, to become one of us. He emptied himself of all that he was to come and walk and live among us and become vulnerable for our sakes. Authentic leaders encourage others during times of vulnerability. William Arthur Ward wrote, Flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I, I know I won't like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. But encourage me, and I won't forget you. Remember those geese in the back of the V formation? The honkers? They're the ones that keep the geese flying in front. They fill them with hope. And when the lead goose feels like quitting, she can hear that honk of encouragement, and she'll find within herself to fly just a little longer. Contrary to popular pessimism, no news is not good news. Good news is good news. And if we don't spread the good news of Jesus Christ as his church, who will? Encouraging words are like medicine to the sick. And when we hear judgmental tones measuring up to others and expectations during the workaday week, we surely don't need to hear them again when we gather in church, do we? We don't need to hear the jabs of, and the biting cuts that tear away our esteem. We need words of encouragement. If we're part of a team, a community, a relationship, be it a marriage, a church committee, the workplace if we want to see the countenance of a person change if you want to see the drive within somebody increase give them some encouragement offer them words of uh, encouragement instead of those discouraging words I thank God for the encouragers Aldersgate's got a bunch of honkers and I'm grateful you have offered me words of encouragement even when you didn't know I needed it. And I know you have done this for one another too. Those honks have kept us going when we felt like giving up. So let us follow the words of Jesus and lead not as the dominant values of society 
talks about lording over, having power over, but authentic leadership being leader servants with love and care and encouragement. Now, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to be here next Sunday during worship. Don't miss it. We're going to be talking about the hopes and the dreams of Aldersgate United Methodist Church. That's going to be our worship service next week. And those who have gone to the fair today, call them, okay? <laughs> Tell them not to miss next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be inspiring. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hopeful. <clears throat> when we lead authentically, when we lead out of love, when we lead out of sacrifice, people will come to know Christ as Lord and all of God's creation will experience his love and we will know the joy of our salvation. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all of God's good people said. Amen. Let's stand now and let's affirm what we believe.